0: Um, it was just yesterday that we were looking at the internet, looking at all those cooking channels, trying to figure out how to cook this huge bird, this turkey. Uh, do we brine it for three days? Do we wet, rub, dry rub it? Do we uh, baste it every half hour and just throw it in the oven and cook for the best? And then the next day, of course, is Black Friday and uh, uh, cook uh, all this shopping stuff and uh, now all of a sudden now we're in this frenzy of buying the right Christmas presents. We're on the internet surfing trying to find the right thing, what has no shopping, no shipping, uh, charges, and all that kind of stuff. Those of us that are a little more industrious have already gotten the Christmas boxes out from hiding, and are now Christmas uh, decorating. And while I was sleeping last night, some wonderful person started to put things up, and I woke up, and there was like some Christmas stuff outside Thank you the night. Um, yeah. Deck the halls with bows of holly. Christmas cards. Christmas cards? What are the scenes of Christmas cards? New England scenes. Snow with sleds, uh, warm nativity scenes, cozy, presents wrapped with bright ribbons. We honor a sacred day with these holy sentiments. There's a legend. It says that Satan and his demons were having a Christmas party. As the demonic guests were leaving, one grinned and said to Satan, Merry Christmas, Your Majesty. And Satan growled, yes, keep it merry. If they ever get serious about it, we'll all be in trouble. And that's the truth. Our traditions, our various ways of celebrating the Christmas season are all wonderful. But I fear that way too often, that's all we have. They replace our understanding and meditating what truly occurred long ago. Something very serious happened during the first advent. A new force had arrived to undermine the world's power. The unthinkable happened. The Word became flesh, and the spirit world was up in arms. Something was happening that would change the destiny of mankind. This year, our advent season begins with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's a controversial figure, isn't she? The Eastern and Western churches, the Orthodox, the Catholic have venerated her to the Queen of Heaven, the Mother of God. While we Evangelicals struggle with that. And we are guilty sometimes of cold neglect as a reaction to the Catholic and Orthodox veneration. So today I want to look at this woman. And I want to begin with a little Max Lucado. about the Christmas story, focusing on the Angel Gabriel. He plays a role today in our, in our um, talk. So, Angel Gabriel was very busy, and he was used to obeying. He had orders all the time, where God sent him. He went, he divided seas, he sent fires, he brought down walls. They were all part of his job description. He was excited about God becoming man. There were rumors about that. It had vaguely been uh, talked about. Early in the Garden of Eden, something about the woman and Lucifer, a bruised head, a bruised heel, but no one knew the details. But he was confused by this new mission. Gabriel was expecting the Messiah in a gold chariot, the king descending on a fiery cloud, fireworks and earthquakes, heralding him in. And instead he was given a few pieces of paper, these are your instructions, first Jerusalem, to the temple to find the old man there, priest who was doing his priestly duties, His name was Zacharias. Zacharias was performing what he wasn't doing always before God. And Gabriel was given instructions to go tell him that he and his old wife Elizabeth were going to have a child. And they were going to name him John, and that John was special. That he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb, and that he will be the one to prepare the world for the Lord. Well, that didn't go as smoothly as Gabriel hoped. The old priest was skeptical. He couldn't get past the fact that he and his wife were old. Seriously, Gabriel thought, you doubt my message? I, Gabriel, who stand in the presence of God, and who have been sent directly to you by God? So Zacharias was silenced until the baby was born. Well, that was kind of a overwhelming Gabriel thought. Okay, done, check. Next. Alright, so Gabriel was given an address in Nazareth and told that God will become a baby. Now wait, hold on. What? No, a baby? Heavens can't contain him. How can a human body? And wait a minute, his name is going to be Jesus? That's just a common name. Every cul in Jerusalem had a Jesus. But Gabriel had his orders. So he took them to Mary. She must be a special girl. But he's in for another surprise. Mary was no queen. The mother to be was not regal. She was a Jewish peasant girl who barely outgrown her acting. And had a crush on a guy named Joe. It's not made to Max Picado, okay? And speaking of Joe, what does this fellow know? He's a carpenter. His beard and his are filled with wooden chips. You're telling me that God is gonna have dinner every night with him? This source of wisdom is going to call this guy, Dad? (laughs) Have you ever wrapped your mind about the Christmas story? Are God's angels given to such musings? Maybe. Are we? I hope so. As we read this strange story, are we stunned by God's coming? Does Christmas still spawn the same speechless wonder that it did 2,000 years ago? Isn't this the season to stop and ask Gabriel's questions? Are we too busy to wonder how exactly this thing happened? The tragedy is not that we don't have answers, but that we are too jaded or too preoccupied to ask them. So I'd like us today let your imagination go free. Ask any question that comes to your mind about how is this possible for God to come the way he came. Let's read the story, okay? Let's get Luke chapter 1. 38 reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, Mary, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son her old age. She was called Baron, is now six months, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's see what betrothal means. Mary's betrothed. You have to kind of get understand a little bit of the culture at that time. It closely resembles our marriage, but without any physical intimacy. It usually preceded the wedding by one year, and it was legally binding – a contract drawn out by parents and a friend of the groom – with witnesses. The groom would present the bride with jewelry. He would then announce his intentions to firmly observe the contract, and he would sip from a cup of wine, and he would offer it to the bride-to-be, and if she sipped from the same cup, she had accepted the contract. The next step was the payment of the dowry by the groom, usually in the ceremony involving the priest. An actual divorce had to happen to break a betrothal. If the prospective groom died, the the prospective bride-to-be was considered a widow. So betrothal traditionally occurred after the onset of adolescence, so we're probably pretty accurate in deciding that Mary was 13 to 14 preparing for marriage. That's how we get her age, because of that betrothal. And let's look at Gabriel, how he addresses Mary. Verse 28, he says, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Hail, favored one. What does it mean to be favored? Favored. The favor of God can be described as tangible evidence that a person has the approval of the Lord. There's favor there. when we favor someone, we want to be with them. We delight in them. We connect with them in a way that we don't connect with anyone else. We usually favor people who favor us. And God is no different. He shows favor to the ones who delight in him, who connect with him, who give honor to him. Mary, favorite one. She has been chosen for a miracle. Gabriel outlined it for her. The whole future of the world was all starting with her. What would have been your reaction? Disbelief? Like Zacharias, the priest? Excited delirium, muttering, perhaps, like Moses, unworthiness at the burning bush that, you know, I'm a I can't do it? Laughing, like Sarah? Well, Mary's reaction was fear. Verse 34 tells us, she says, How can this be? I'm a virgin. Now, would not you say the same thing? What are, you, what are we talking about Okay, how can this be? She wants details. Come on, you and I would want details too. Are we still unsure how this thing happened? I mean, still, I'm trying to figure it out. How does this baby become all God at all men? And coming from a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Offspring will be called the Son of God.
1: Oh, and by the way, Mary, your old
0: cousin Elizabeth, she's pregnant six months. Nothing's impossible with God. I think that the gang will put that in there to kind of say, yeah, you know what? I mean, Elizabeth is pregnant. Nothing is impossible. Mary's response, verse 38, Behold the bondservant of the Lord. Be it done to me, According to thy word. Hmm. Okay, I'm in. Not sure I get it, but do what you say. Mary believed. Her understanding was limited, but she trusted God. And we're going to start learning today about that. That you do not need to get it. You don't need to understand it, to accept it, to trust it, to have faith in it. We struggle sometimes. We're trying to figure it out in our heads. Do you believe? tells you something, when he says to you, I'll take care of you, when he reminds you that you are his, even though the details aren't in focus, do you believe? Let's look at Luke 1, 39 to 39-41. Now at this time Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You guys get that? Okay. Mary rushes up to the hill country of Judah where Elizabeth and Zechariah live. And the embryo, the six-month-old embryo, in Elizabeth leaps, moves in recognition of the mother of the Lord. Elizabeth, the old pregnant lady, begins to bless this 14-year-old Mary. to she says, she cried out 42 with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken by her Lord. Blessed is she who believed. What exactly did Mary understand? Did she really understand that the Creator God would live in her womb? She spends her first trimester with her cousin Elizabeth. Jeannie Hendricks says, It was a hallowed moment when the Holy Spirit, with infinite precision of timing, placed the infinitesimal God sperm into the waiting ovum at the optimum moment of ovulation. That the God of glory should have been reduced to such a tiny size is incomprehensible, that he should have been so very endangered and dependent upon a fragile human woman, for sustenance staggers the imagination. Can you that? The God, the creator God, reduces, reduces to a place where he's dependent on Mary, inside of her, for his nutrition. nutrition. Called blessed, not because of her virginity or her humility, but because she was chosen as the person and place where God's glory would enter more deeply into the human story. Do you ever marvel at that? What kind of love spurs God to do such things? What kind of love does He do? We had a song today. What kind of love is that? What was Mary's understanding? Well, we find that she sings a song, the Magnificat. She says, 46 to 56. My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their thoughts and their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. And he has exalted those who are hungry. He has filled the hungry with good things, and sent away the rich empty handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, his offspring forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months, and then returned to her home. How much did Mary understand? You no. Know, how much did she understand? How much would you have understood? She understood enough to glorify God, okay, And enough to glorify God. Well, he scatters those who are proud. It brings down the rulers. He exalts the humble. I mean, don't you think she would be feeling that? She's a humble girl. She's a nobody. And he exalts her to such a level. Are we able to join Mary song Can and praise him with our hearts, even though we don't understand his ways? She returns to Nazareth pregnant. Joseph decides to put her away soon. Joseph and Mary had to travel 70 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem because of the mandatory census. No family, no comforts alone. What was going on in Mary's mind? She's been promised this, but how come is not looking out for them? And it got worse. Bethlehem was booked. No place to stay except a barn behind an inn. Seriously, where is God? This promised child, the son of the Most High, is going to be born in a stable and sleep in a trough. Where animals eat, it's all wrong. How many times have we asked God the same question? If you love me, if I'm special to you, do something, and do it this way. And what do you do when doubts shatter your mind? What happens to you? Well, the baby is born, no midwife, just Mary and Joseph. And then shepherds interrupt their quiet. These shepherds were full of excitement. My gosh. Couldn't be quiet. They needed to tell. Angels had found them in the field. The Savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord. And all wondered at what the shepherds were saying. Luke 2.19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She didn't get it. It It's so confusing. What was she pondering? How could this baby that she had just delivered be a Savior? She held him to her breast. She nuzzled him. She felt his warmth. He looked like a normal baby, he smelled like a baby. God's son, really? This was so intimate, so personal. Yet strangers will worship your child. Does she even resent the intrusion, perhaps? Mm. Jesus was circumcised, like every Jewish boy. After the 31 days, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple for a ceremony of purification. And when they arrived at the temple, a righteous a devout old man, called Simeon, Waiting for them, grabs the baby and starts to prophesy. He is the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he saw Jesus. So all of a sudden, here they are. Mary comes, unsure of herself, into the temple. And this old guy comes and takes the baby and starts to prophesy. My eyes have seen thy salvation. Behold, the child is appointed for them, fall and rise of many in Israel. And a sword will pierce even your own soul. What? Okay, I understand the part about the child will rise and fall, and many will rise and fall with him, but a sword is going to pierce your own soul. A sword? What sword will pierce Mary's soul? Mary couldn't wrap her head around it. Pretty heavy stuff for a 15 year old, huh?
1: Mary and Joseph were amazed
0: at the things being said about Jesus. He was theirs, but he wasn't theirs. He seemed to belong to all. A little later, Magi came and worshipped Jesus, traveling from far away, following the star. Such wonderful things. Shepherds, affirmation in the temple, magi from afar. God cares. See how we go up and down? Now God cares. What was promised was coming true. Their child was special, the son of God. And then, the roller coaster of life. Do you ever feel that way? You're you're excited, something good's happening, then bam, something else happens. Before they could sit back and dwell on these things, horrible things happened. Herod was killing innocent children in hope that Jesus would be destroyed. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus ran for their lives, refugees, in Egypt. Again, what was Mary thinking? What happened to the blessings that had just been spoken? Where is God in all of this? Did she look at her toddler's face and realize that God was in her arms? God did not leave them long in Egypt. Herod dies soon after the slaughter of the innocents. And Joseph hears from God and a dream to return to Nazareth, their homeland. But the story of Mary's life does not end with the virgin birth. And I wanted today to kind of expand a little bit because I don't want her to be a caricature of what we think about. I want her to be, become a real person so we can learn from her. She's the mother who cared for Jesus' physical needs. She nursed him. She taught him to memorize songs and to pray. She was raising a sinless child. Her child was sinless. Does that mean that discipline was never a problem in their home? Can you visualize such a thing? Think of your children. Imagine them sinless. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I, I can't imagine that. <laughs> as a young child, Jesus depended on Mary. But as he gains independence, things begin to change. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast, or the Passover. And when Jesus was 12, a whole caravan from Nazareth went down. And after a few days, they took the trip back home. And as happens in the big group, you think the child is with this person, the child is with that person. And lo and behold, Mary and Joseph all of a sudden, after a day, found out that Jesus was nowhere. So they returned back. And it took them three days to find Jesus, retracing their steps, to find him in the temple. Three days. I want us to read Luke chapter 2, verse 46 to 52.
1: It came about that after three days, they
0: found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had been in my father's house? And they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them. He came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom, stature, and in favor of God. Can you imagine? Jesus was there, in the middle of a theological symposium. The doctors of law, having spent their lives studying scriptures, were amazed. Not only was he listening to them, but he was asking perceptive questions, brain twisters. Can you imagine what Mary and Joseph were feeling? Human parents. It had been three days they were looking for him, dusty, tired, they were more dumbfounded than anybody else. We parents sometimes want our children to be normal, just normal, okay? Not so brilliant that you're an oddball, and certainly not dull. Too much dabbling and high thinking perhaps was threatening for these parents. Perhaps Mary and Joseph were experiencing some uneasiness. At any rate, they reprimanded him. Son, she says, why have you treated us this way? Isn't that a normal question from worried parents? Jesus' actions reflected on them. The idea that Jesus was being obedient to his Heavenly Father and not, had not even crossed their mind. Why would he even be in this temple? Should he should have been with us. What's wrong with him? Perhaps they had ownership of Jesus. Mary said to Jesus, your Father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And his response... Okay, and I love the fact that um, our guest speaker a couple of weeks ago said that Jesus has a way of saying things that are like, ouch. Huh? He says, why is it that you were looking for me? Don't you know where I would be? In my father's house. Luke tells that the parents didn't understand what Jesus was saying to them. Why did they understand Jesus? Had not she been told by Gabriel that he was destined to be great, the son of the Most High? And again, Mary treasures things in her heart. Was she hurt by her 12-year-old's remarks? Had the hard truth that something else, bigger than her community, was going to happen cut her? Simeon, the old man, had prophesied in the temple, right? A sword was going to pierce her soul. She had no clue what was in store for her. She thought that was bad. That was rude. That hurt. Mary's was a virgin birth, but it was not about her, was it? It was about Jesus. Her role was shifting, and perhaps she was reluctant to let go. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, Treasuring these things really mean. What does that mean? Was Mary collecting all these incidents in her heart like we collect things for a treasure chest? Would she have posted them on Instagram for her family and friends? Or was this a deeply personal reflection? And she was trying to understand who this child of hers was. Luke tells us that Jesus returned home with his parents, continued in subjection to them, and he kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. You know, it's not the last time that Mary tried to hold on to Jesus. After the incident in the temple, we no longer hear about Joseph. Perhaps he died, most likely. And it's now just Mary and Jesus and his other siblings. Thirty years go by without any record of Jesus' activities. Except for Luke's comment that the child grew in wisdom. And I wonder at what age the roles of parent-child began reversing. Get it? When Mary could no longer teach Jesus. What would happen when Mary was offended by the neighbor's comments and she would return home crushed? Would Jesus pray with her? Would he show her how to forgive? Would he remind her that she needed to be pure in heart? That even she needed forgiveness from God? Did Jesus perhaps dare to actually forgive her sins? How did that make Mary feel, the mother of Jesus? Have you ever asked these questions? Pretty sure that in those 20 plus years when it was just Jesus and his mother, while he worked in the wood shop, carving wood, making tables and chairs, providing a living, he was developing his thoughts and what he felt the good news would be that he would soon preach about. And he would talk to Mary and she would listen. Was she the first to tell him that the principles he was talking about were very different than the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees? Would she warn him to be quiet, not to be subversive? Did they argue? Next, we hear about Mary is when Jesus is 30 years old. The Gospel of John tells us about the wedding of Cana. Jesus had just chosen Peter, Andrew, Nathaniel, and Philip as disciples, and there was a wedding. And his disciples were invited. And Mary seemed to be in charge in some sort. And she gets very anxious. All of a sudden, they've run out of wine. A horrible thing. A horrible thing. A horrible thing anywhere, but this in this culture specifically it was pretty bad. Okay? <laughs> The English translation of how Jesus responds is this. Woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not come. That's his response to her saying, can you do something about this? Woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not come. Now, I mean, it really is. My kids said that I have, in public. I I'd, I'd have problems. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in the Greek, it's a little nicer. It says, a little kinder. It says, Mother, I don't think you understand. You must not expect me to help you in a supernatural way here. My ministry has not yet begun. Ooh, my circle, whatever. still putting her in her place. And here, I think, we begin to see the stuff that Mary is made of. She's no longer a teenager. She's probably around 45 years old. She doesn't seem to miss a beat. She turns to the servants and tells them whatever he says, do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Jesus performed his first public miracle, turning six 30-gallon water pots full of water, into six 30 gallon pots of seriously good wine. <laughs> seriously good wine. Mary obviously knew that Jesus was capable of miracles. Perhaps he was already performing miracles in the privacy of their home. John tells us that this was the beginning of the signs that Jesus would do that would manifest his glory. God used that anyway, Mary. It was the beginning, it was the first miracle, and his disciples saw it and they believed him. And then Jesus public ministry takes off, and you don't hear much of that, but there are a few places that you hear, and again, my heart, as a mother goes, ouch, let's get dreadful. Jesus' public ministry takes off, miracles, eating stalks of grain on the Sabbath, healing on the Sabbath, forgiving sins. Who forgives sins? He had become famous, word was spreading. The Pharisees and scribes were beginning to call him a blasphemer. Jesus was eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. He was offending the religious leaders. He's confusing everyone with his teachings. Even John the Baptist sent some disciples to ask Jesus, Are you really the messiah? Because you're doing some things that are really strange. Who knows? Maybe Mary's extended family were talking. You know, Cousin John was keeping himself pure. He was out in the desert. He was doing holy things. But you're Jesus, Mary? I'm not so sure. What is he doing? He's doing the exact opposite. He's hanging around with tax collectors, with prostitutes. I mean, he doesn't wash his hands when he eats. He does whatever. Perhaps Jesus' brothers were embarrassed by Jesus. The Bible tells us that James, one of his brothers, who eventually writes the book of James, was not a believer at that time. Perhaps they were embarrassed, and they were coming for an intervention. Luke 8, 19-21. His mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get his attention because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, Your mother and brother are standing, wishing to see you. What does he say? He answers and says, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Mary. Mary? My family are those who do what? Who obey the word of God. Yikes. Mary was his mother. She didn't desert him. Scripture doesn't tell us her reaction. She's no longer on center stage. But we can imagine that she didn't forget her son's comment. It probably was the last time that she pleads the ties of filial affection. But she tries to say, hey, you know what? We have some special connections here. Luke 11:27 27 says that as Jesus was preaching, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice, and she said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. And Jesus' response? On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Almost the exact same thing. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Mary began to understand that as a mother, I can't imagine her heart. At the cross, Jesus finally cuts the cord. John 19 tells us, 25-27, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and disciple he, he, who was standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. There's a tenderness there, isn't there? Jesus taking care of her, but at the same time, cutting the cord. That human cord is cut. Something else is going on there. He's not your son anymore. Thank you. You did a good job. He's no longer. Her soul was being pierced by a sword. How did this make any sense? All of it. To end like this, where is God? Surely Jesus can get himself off the cross. Why isn't he doing that? Really? He's gonna die? Perhaps all her mother's dreams died that day too. Her hopes, aspirations for her little boy. But scripture tells us that the mother became a disciple. Acts 1 tells us that Mary was present in the upper room with all the other disciples and followers. <coughs> she was present during Pentecost.
1: The mother who had nurtured
0: and birthed the Christ child, who had lost her son on the cross, now was filled with the Holy Spirit in a different way. In an eternal way. Now she had the comforter in her, who would teach her new things, new life. Joy that was not dependent on circumstances. She was blessed. Luke 1.45 Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And you and I are blessed. Blessed when we obey God blindly, without trying to figure him out, accepted. And during this Advent season, I call us to do that today. Try to understand who God is, how amazing he is, what he has done for us. Heavenly Father, we are so hungry this morning. We cannot understand what kind of love this is. What kind of love this is that would enter a woman, all God, all man, into such a small place so you can save us. Forgive us, Lord, our flippancy about Christmas. Help us understand who you are. Thank you for the We want to be like her. We want to grow like her, Lord. We want to believe you. We want to trust you. And we want to grow. We want to be true disciples. We just thank you. Thank you for this miracle of life. We thank you for Mary, in Jesus' name. Amen.